Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real life experiences and the tools they develop to move forward and live their best life. I'm Michelle Scharf. And I'm Jenny Taylor. And today, everybody, we are going to learn a little bit more about what Michelle Scharf is up to in her life right now. Inquiring minds want to know. (laughs) Obviously, we talk a lot about resilience. We talk about grief. We talk about pursuing happiness and moving forward. And Michelle, we know that for these last couple of years, you have been pursuing, it's it's a cross between a goal and a new career in some training you've taken to become a certified coach. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the school that you chose and why that one and what that process was like. Well, thank you. First of all, uh, I want to back up a little bit. I went to a widow's camp a year after John died. Let's see. He died in July. It was the following. So it it was like the year anniversary in California in in San Diego. Yep. And it's literally called widow's camp for any of you widows out there who would like to know about it. It's a great, they have tons of classes. They have classes for the first year widow, two to three year widow, five years after whatever. They have all kinds of opportunities to go through like healing exercises, but also classes on like self-development and awareness all kinds of issues that you don't think about until you become a widow. And one of those classes that I stumbled into was a one on reinventing yourself. Hmm. And um, I sat through the class and I was really uncomfortable with it. it it's, it's kind of funny, right? I know you, you just looked at me like, what? You, you were yeah. uncomfortable about reinventing yourself? Haven't you been <laughs> reinventing yourself over and over and over again since I met you? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this the status of your life? It's true. I've always done that. But I was looking for stability right after I lost my husband. Yeah. I think that's very natural to crave that normalcy, stability, predictability. And that's probably what most of us miss the most and have absolutely no concept of in those early grief yeah. stages. Like nothing feels normal. I nothing had feels stable or predictable. Great, yeah. I had a great job. I had a job that I don't ever think I would have been fired from. Um, I was a lobbyist for a tech company in Utah, and I have a great relationship with that boss. He he really walked me through a lot of the grief process. He was there for a lot of it. He saw my tears. Uh, he had to put up with a lot, and I just thought I had a, a sense of loyalty to him. I didn't want to leave that job. I liked most of the job. There's There are parts of, of course, every job that we don't love. But I loved lobbying. I loved the travel. I loved the meeting people. I loved the relationships that I was making in different states. It was, it was a great opportunity. So when I sat in that room and I was listening to people, the, the speaker, when she got up, started saying, it's really common within the first couple of years for a widow to change her career. Sometimes it happens right away. And sometimes it's after around the first year. And that kind of shook me because the one thing that I had that felt very stable was my career. And so I was 
uncomfortable with, with hearing that. And, and it was, the, the numbers were so high and I don't remember what they are today, but they were so high that I felt like I probably wasn't going to escape it. And so I fought it for a little bit, but there did come a time where my job became because of political wins and the issues that I was working on and the organizations that I was being asked to go up against. It, it was a high stress job. But I wasn't getting the wins that I needed. And I'm a person that needs some real wins in life, you know, and I had just lost the biggest loss of my life. And, and so I was, I was not finding satisfaction at the level that I was any longer. And I fought it for probably a year after that. And it wasn't, so John died in 2018 and I didn't leave my job until 2020. And so there was a couple years there, but statistically, I ended up meaning that statistic. I floated around for three years, just kind of resisting the idea of coaching. You know, everybody's a life coach, Jenny. Yeah. Everybody, everybody can fix it. Everybody can tell you how to live your life. They're yeah. all over social media. It feels cheap. It feels yeah. overused. It feels like catchy, trendy. Very trendy. Yeah. Most life coaches actually aren't life coaches at all. I, I mean, they can, in anyone terms of a certification. Yeah, anyone sure. can call themselves a life coach. There is no body. There is no governmental right, not regulation. Like a doctor or even a nail technician has right. to have some government granted licensure. Right, and these are people that are, you know, kind of quasi crossing therapy, therapy lines in sure. some in some aspects. Yeah. Right, it, good coaches that are well trained. Hopefully they know when to refer to when it's not a therapeutic solution, when you shouldn't be delving into somebody's past psyche. Because a coach isn't a therapist. No, we're not a therapist. And I don't care how much training you have. Although there are some coaches that are also trained therapists. So so there's a good balance there. And maybe some some coaching based on the person being coached and the coach offering the coaching could help you not need the therapy. Right. Right. I mean, if you can, right. if you can be coached through, but so then you're resisting coaching. You're like, uh-huh. the world wants to be a coach if everybody's a coach. What happened and where that you shifted to say, Hey, not only, yes, I want to be a coach, but I want to get this actual intense training to be a certified coach. I would have to say that COVID mm-hmm. for one, um, kind of started it. <laughs> I was sitting there and I'm because like, oh, I, I, I decided to really take a sabbatical in January of 2020. And then in March of 2020, COVID hit. And yeah. so there was no job to go back to, it, even if I wanted to. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I, I've had a long history of being involved in self-awareness trainings, all kinds of seminars that I've attended, uh, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziol, Olfley. I can't. I never can say his name right. Some anyway, great Italian as, last name. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of people that I really admire, and that I've followed for years and years. Jay Shetty wrote a book called Think Like a Monk, and his background is that he left his life, left his university, and, and went into becoming a monk, and he. I think it was actually three years. He surrendered his life three years to the monastery. And then eventually he realized he needed to take this out in a bigger way to the world. And I saw him when he first came out on social media and he was making these really kind of chintzy, kind of long, five minute long videos that that had like little relationship 
little movies, like little yeah, vignettes. Little vignettes. Yeah. yeah. And they were kind of kitsy, but I love the meaning inside them. And I loved the lessons that he was, you know, sharing with the world. And there are things that I've learned in my life. A lot of them that I've experienced, I've gone through other trainings, like impact training here locally. Mm-hmm. My husband and I both had done that. It helped not only us as individuals, but us in our relationship. It helped us with our children, how we communicate. So I have this long background of being involved in this kind of training and thought process. And I'll just throw out there, you also have a natural knack for talking with people in a way that you draw the soul right out of us. And I conclude <laughs> myself in that. And anybody else listening that's ever had lunch with Michelle's like, yeah, she did that to me too. And I mean that in with a great compliment. Yeah. More than half of our guests on this podcast have come because you met them some random place and were able to tap into their soul in a way that something within them rose to the top. So I I, I get what yeah, you're saying. I don't know what it is. I, you I really, it. I, I do have it. You have, you, right. you've had it as long as I've known you. And I've and had it for probably longer. since I was 12, as okay. long as I can remember. So there's a bit of that personality, that nature side. Of I things. think it's God, right? Yeah. Like, the, I think it's some of us are just gifted. Well, and I think all of us are gifted in some, maybe a different right. way, right? right? Like I look at myself, I was born to be a teacher. I right. haven't taught in a paid classroom for like 17 years, but I still consider myself a teacher at heart. I feel that's talents right. God gave me. Right. Um, a scientist might feel the same way. A medical right. doctor might right. feel the same way. A musician might feel the same way. I know Kellyanne, our producer, is a wonderful artist with all kinds of creative juices. And so yours just happens to be human connection, Yes, and my, energy my, to interact with people. It seems to be that my gift is to listen and to hear people's hurts and traumas. Mm. And I'm empathetic at such a deep level that I create a safe space for it's people to open space. up yeah. and to know that I'm not going to reveal them inappropriately, sure. that, I, that I can It hold does feel s- safe. Hold so, that space for them to be able so to be heard. So quick disclosure, we're, as, we're a KSL podcast. We're not necessarily saying that KSL podcast endorses Jay Shetty or Michelle Scharf as a coach. This is us having a conversation about where you are in your life. But I'm curious, you said you saw Jay Shetty and some of his uh-huh. videos at first were kind of chintzy. Yeah. What was it that then made you decide to put the time, the money, the energy into pursuing that certification? I started writing in my journal and I was like, what am I going to do? And I started like listing out what I've done and just kind of going through a process on my own. And I did read Think Like a Monk and I liked the background there. It was very much relatable to me because I've always kind of had an interest in Eastern medicine and Eastern philosophies, even though I've also... I'm very westernized and I was raised missionary Baptist and I was an active LDS person for many, many years. And I was kind of going through this place where I needed to like surrender to organized religion. And it just kind of made an appearance that was at the right time and place, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's like the stars kind of aligned in that. It just felt right, yeah. the right path to pursue. And, and so I liked how he's using Eastern philosophy, but he also very much uses Western data and information, a lot of resources, blend of a worlds. blend of the, yeah. the two worlds. And I like that blending. I like that it was a lot of the information that he has is based on solid psychological 
it might be cognitive research and things. Yeah, yeah. the things that a therapist might do, like cognitive behavioral changes and those kind of things. And so, you know, coaching is really just choosing somebody when you have a goal and you're having difficulty achieving that goal. It's like, what is that block? What is keeping you from being able to achieve that thing? And so oftentimes uh, I'll have a discovery call. It's free usually, lasts about an hour. And we'll talk about things. Do you have a particular goal? Are you looking at a new career? Are you trying to figure out how to get through grief? Are you feeling guilt or shame or uh, insecurity about moving on and finding new love after a loss? Um, what yeah. is it that you're looking to do? And and for so many of us, like you said, are you are you just kind of lost because that predictability and that stability and that quote unquote normalcy just no longer is? And you mentioned COVID. COVID robbed mm-hmm. so many of us of what used to be normal. In our case, death of a spouse has robbed us of what we thought was normal. Everyone's got something to where that goal might not be, hey, Michelle, I need you to coach me because I'm going to run a marathon. Right. But my, my goal is I would refer out- for you to someone else if you want to learn how to. <laughs> I would not be yeah. your coach for that. Um, but, but the idea of if, if my goal is to maybe figure out my next steps, mm-hmm. to find that peace with a, a new normal, maybe a new path ahead of me, I'm thinking like, Obviously, clearly, I could benefit from this beautiful coaching. So let's take a quick break and come back and then have you tell us what does it take to learn to be a coach and maybe what was that, the coaching, the coach process like? Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Michelle, you were born with an ability to read people through those eyes of yours that just see to my soul. You also have had a lot of life experience where you have have. interacted and and it's not like you're a kid fresh out of junior high trying to take on this new task. But what did the actual training look like for you to go through this, in this case, again, the Jay Shetty Mm -hmm. School, but if you were to go through a, a coaching program to become the coach, what did it require of you? What was that process like? And maybe how did your own grief play into that or maybe mm-hmm. your healing through your grief? Yeah. So all of those things happen. So the program is 33 hours of instruction. And then I can't remember. It's like a lot of hours. I can't <laughs> it's remember. It's a lot how. of hours, everyone. Um, so so, so that's know. just the primer, right? The 33 hours is the introduction into coaching and what it is. And then there's so many hours of self-study and self-reflection. 
really to be a good coach, you have to be able to be really honest with yourself and be able to get down to your own nitty gritty and being able to be aware. So this is to be the coach, not to be coached, but to no, be the coach. To be the coach, so you like, gotta have you yourself can only coach a strong point. Yeah, right? you can only strong coach place. from the place that you're coming from, right? So I, you know, just to clarify, not everyone that goes through, you don't get healed. Like there's nothing wrong with us and we're always in the process of healing and we're always in the process of growing, but it's about getting kind of refining the yourself. It's an opportunity to to refine yourself. You're not trying to fix what's broken because you're not viewing it as a broken. We're not broken, right? I love that. Yeah. So there's that. And then you go through a cohort phase where you're in a group study phase and there's so many hours of that. And I wish I could, it's like 180, I don't remember how many hours. It's a I'm lot of hours, people, a with, lot. It, I've kind of blocked it out of my mind. It took forever <laughs> for me to get through it, but it took so much focus and dedication for me personally. And it's heavily, it, their school is based on a Facebook format called Workplace. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you log in through Facebook, but it's a whole another section of Facebook and it's called workplace and all of the manuals are there, all of the information and it's also online. So there's a part and your portion online and doesn't there's a portion. have to live in Layton, Utah. No, this is the beautiful thing with this program is my mentor was from South Africa. Wow. Yeah. Um, when I originally first started a program, I had a mentor in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And so you learn a lot of cultural differences. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot of, human nature human. that's what I was, I was gonna say it's not global it's human it's human I mean, it is global but it's human yeah so we have all these very cultural religious and political differences but at the end of the day the beautiful thing is you rapidly see through this program that we basically all have the core beliefs that we all struggle with as humans at the end of the day we all wonder if I'm enough mm-hmm. am I lovable am I worthy do I deserve this? At the end of the day, it's kind of always, that's the bottom line. Yeah, peel away the details and yeah. that's what you find in that human experience. Right. And so we all are struggling with those worthiness issues. Am I enough? Am I worthy? Am I lovable? Am I whatever? Am I capable? Capable. What, yeah. Whatever your, but if you boil it down to it, kind of at the end of the day, the core issue we all have is we all wonder if we're enough, Right. And so it kind of boils down to those issues. And then we all somewhat want the same things. We want connection and we yearn for connection and we want to be understood and seen. And so we all at the end of the day are really looking for the same things. It's not really a big surprise. What stops us from having the things that we want, manifesting the lives that we want to live Um, A lot of people think about manifesting like the big mansion, the Lamborghini, whatever it is, big material things in life. I'm comfortable in my life. So I say this with a bit of privilege. I don't really look for material things in my life. The things that I care about manifesting are good, solid relationships with my Mm -hmm. children, connection with my children, connection with my grandchildren, and hopefully one day a love interest, right? And so those are the things that I value. And I see other people are really struggling and working towards other things. They're working towards uh, financial security, shelter security. They're, they're working on basic Maslow's Mm -hmm. principles. 
those people aren't necessarily going to benefit. They would benefit from a coach, but they aren't necessarily in the position that they're going to hire one either. Right. And so there is somewhat a little bit of a, a level of privilege, although I do know coaches that are working with people at reduced or low rates or do it as a portion of their coaching right. program to reach out to, to all to break levels. through some of that class barriers. Uh, distinction. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that. The other thing about coaching is, so at the end of the day, somebody wants to hire me, let's say. They are working on, let's say, an easy one here. My focus... And just like you brought up, you said, you know, I, it's not going to be like, I want to run a marathon. You're going to hire a health coach for that, or you're sure. going to hire a, a running coach yeah. or a trainer, right? And, and a trainer a is a coach. Shoes. Right, yeah. right. Like all, all the things, right? Yeah, it's a kind of coach. It's a, right. it's a branch of coaching. And so it's really important to understand that when you hire a coach, you need to hire a coach that has experience and knowledge in the area that you're looking to be coached in. I'm not a coach for everyone. I don't need to coach everyone. I'm not for everyone. Just like I'm not for everyone in the the real world, I'm not going to be everyone's coach. And I understand that. My focus is on resilience and awareness. I'm really good at drawing out the awareness of the blocks that people are not been able to see for themselves. You talk about me looking into to your soul and being able to see things, right? I mean, it's, right, it's sure. true. So let's talk about that for a minute. Why? Why is awareness so important? I mean, I think I know, but I want to hear yeah. you kind of flesh that out. Why is that something that you feel you can help other people with? You're not necessarily giving them a five-step, okay, do this, do this, do this. I don't right, want someone no. to make decisions for me. In right. fact, I'm probably going to kick against the bricks right. if that's what you tell me. Right. Why is it so valuable for a coach to help me become self-aware? So the value is in the discovery process, right? Like sometimes you and I have conversations. I'm having conversations with you as a friend and I'll just throw out what I see. That is a little bit different. That's not coaching. Coaching is when the coach is sitting there asking the questions to help draw out of you without, without intention, without a roadmap, like I don't have a directed place, but I'm curious enough that I'm questioning, I'm asking you questions. And typically the questions are based off some conversation that we've had. So we have a conversation and I'll say, so I heard you say this, is that what you meant? Are you meaning this? Are you meaning that? And it's a discovery process on, because words do have meaning and often we don't take the time we're not writing in to our give journal. Our meaning. Yeah, we're not writing in our journal and then going back and saying, I'd like to read what I wrote three days ago and evaluate. Now, if people want to do that, that is a great way to self coach. Kind of self coach. That's a great uh, way to self coach. That's a great way to, to self reflect. But sometimes it's hard to see it in ourselves, even, it is. even in times of my life. And I am a big journaler. In fact, mm-hmm. I. I have times in my life where I have family members who would make fun of me because I'd be journaling. They're like, are you writing in your journal that you're writing in your journal? <laughs> I'm like, I'm writing in my journal right now. But I am a verbal person and uh-huh. that's how I become aware. And sometimes when I feel the most stuck, I have to start either writing or talking based mm-hmm. on if somebody's around or if I want to talk to myself. Right. But, and it's so interesting. I love that you said that that conversation, whether it's me in my journal or me and you as a coach, mm-hmm. It has to start with no preconceived end in mind. Right. Because if I think I'm trying to talk myself into this from the beginning, I'm not going to get an honest self-awareness versus 
sometimes I will just start to write or if the case is talk. And by the end of it, I've realized I, I didn't know what was going there. Right. But I had to let myself get there or have a friend or a coach help me get there without that that self-judgment of where I think I should be. Because I right. think that should can so often get in our way. Yeah. At least for me. I My self-awareness can be impeded by my self-shouldness. And I'm yeah. working on that at 43 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting, and this is the other thing that I love about the program. After the group cohort, you have to do so many hours of coaching. And so you have to have like at least 10 different people and they have to be so many hours and they can't be discovery calls. And they, and you have to have one that you follow through at least through an entire process. So they want you to really have been through that before you start seeking clients yeah. or going out there to help. Yeah. Okay. And that process was really interesting because when you're first starting out as a coach, you kind of think you know where things are going and you learn all these, these tools and you learn like a format of a coaching hour and you want to keep it within this hour. And there's a lot of purpose into keeping it concise and, and the different Not phases of out. the hours. Yeah. yeah. Because when you laser in on, we have one hour and this is what our time and we're going to be very present. And like, even if you coach with me, I would be sending you out an email that says, remember to have your water, use the restroom first, be present. Be able to really be in the moment. Yeah. Take a few minutes to, to breathe and center yourself and really focus on the things that you want to tackle today because you only have so much time and there's yeah. really value in keeping it to that hour because you throw out a lot of the things that you think are important and you really get down pretty quickly right. to the nitty gritty. So the value of that awareness is becoming aware of the stumbling blocks that we have in our life that are keeping us from creating the things that we really want. So in my example, let's say grief. We have a widow and she is, uh, let's say, a year out and she is filled with grief either because of the loss of what, what's been gone on. I do have a grief kind of six to 10 week program that, that I have mapped out for people. Um, but if it's compound grief or if it's complicated grief, and if they haven't worked with a therapist, oftentimes I would refer that person first. But let's say she comes to me and she's like, okay, I've got all of this grief I'm dealing with. And I really would like to figure out how to move forward and find a new person. Then we can work on those things. And there's a lot of issues, as you well know, that come up with considering a new spouse or considering even dating. Even the, the idea itself can be really suffocating for some widows, right? <laughs> Jenny raises Gee, her I hand. I don't know who that would be. <laughs> uh, not to point you out, sure. but but sure, right? Like but I think we, I represent. That's not. I'm not right. the only widow that doesn't look at that with glee, saying, "I hope to find that next love interest." Right, and you know, I my sister's a widow. I've had a, a, a I've met a lot of widow friends through this podcast and other other things. I've worked with you. We, we've talked yeah. a lot about it. Yeah. It's a very, it's grief is personal. Like we may have all lost a spouse, but we've all lost somebody very different to us. Mm -hmm. 
And some people have lost people with really abusive relationships, so and they're true. afraid yeah. to repeat that relationship in a new relationship. Like yeah, that. they're like, I'm finally free of this abuser, right? Yeah. Some of those issues are going to end up in therapy, and they're not for me, for the coach. coach. Okay. But there are things that can be coached. So on the flip side of that, what is stopping you from moving forward? Can we work mm-hmm. on those things? What are your goals? And then we work on smart, smart goals. Are they simple? Are they measurable? You need accountability. They need to be timely, right? So all of those things need to happen. And then it's kind of like an accountability partner. Each week you're checking in. How did I do? Did I do my homework? Did I do my goals for the week? Am I making progress? What do I need to change? Why am Sometimes it's the process of the goal itself that sometimes stops or I would say maybe puts in a extra week or two in the process of the coaching program because some people will just come up against themselves in the process of setting their own goals. I never set the goals. I'm literally not there. getting the assignment. Yeah. yeah. So we create them together. Some There are some things that I might suggest, but they're only suggestions. And, and if they feel like that would be an appropriate thing for them to do, well, and I like they might that do them. Because I think of the word coach. A coach is different from a peer, right? Right. If I just want a peer, then we'll sit down and, and chat. And maybe I can call right. a girlfriend or sister or something. But if I really want the coach, I want you to have some awareness and knowledge that I don't have. And I want maybe your counsel and your advice. Right. But again, I don't want you telling me what right. to do. I don't want you just bossing me around and choosing for me. That's not going to help me move forward. No. And actually nobody ever does yeah. because we're no. all stubborn and independent yeah. in that way. <laughs> we got to take one more break and we'll come back for the final segment with coach Michelle Sharp. So I think anyone listening or who knows me knows I would probably benefit from coaching. I have it. You laugh. She laughed at me. Does your coach laugh at you? My coach just laughed at me. Jenny, I I laugh because 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 my head runs like a whirlwind. Yes, because we all would benefit from coaching. I I have a coach. Okay, I love that. I love that you are not. You have not arrived, and now you no longer need coaching. I think of a phenomenal coach I had in my life is funny. It was not on a sports team. It was not someone that I even knew. I don't remember her name, but it's when I gave birth to my third baby and it was my nurse. Yeah. And I will always, I've forever called her my soccer coach nurse because I had had my first baby with an epidural and forceps and all kinds of things that just dragged out, went on forever, terrible, awful experience. My second baby, I was like, no, no way. I'm going to have this baby natural. And I got to the hospital barely in time to deliver and it was crazy and awful, and now I know why people died on the planes coming across the prairie. Oh, come on. In childbirth. You, you hired the wrong team. No, you I had didn't no have it. I right. had no coach. You, no. Had it. you it needed a doula. No, yeah. it was me. It was my head. It was my... But I did it, and then I went into my third baby, and I kind of had these two experiences where one came with the benefits of medical intervention, but all kinds of, you know, side, side Pro- effects of that, right. and just, you know, wherever that led. And then my second was awesome and empowering. And man, for a minute, I really thought I was going to die, but then I didn't. But it was only for a minute that I thought I would die. But by the time I got to the third baby, I was just exhausted because I'm pregnant with 
two, a two one and a half year old yeah. and a three year old at home. Oh my gosh! At this point, Brent so was close together. Brent was running for city council and pursuing a master's degree and owned a small business and just life. And I remember feeling like I'd been in labor forever, thinking I could handle it at home like I did with my second baby, get to the hospital and then have the baby and go home. But got to the hospital and just dragged out. It just kept going. I'm like, okay, I don't want the epidural, but I. How much longer can we do this? And this woman came in, this nurse, again, don't even know her name. It was McKady Hospital, 2009, July 12th. Somebody tell me who you were. You were phenomenal. And I just remember her coaching me through it. She gave me the, I'm sure like mm-hmm. a doula would or what, mm-hmm. the confidence that I needed, the the focus that I needed. And I honestly <laughs> think like I never would have made it through birthing that child without her. So I see the value of coaching mm-hmm. in different in different aspects of life. At that point, I did not choose that nurse. I chose my OB. Mm-hmm. I did not choose the nurse. She just happened to be assigned to the room that I was in when I happened to go into labor. Such a blessing. Such a no, huge blessing. So lucky. But if now at this point in my life, again, 43 years old, I've lived a lot of life. I feel like I've had a very happy, productive life, and I probably have some roadblocks in my mm-hmm. life. If I'm pursuing working with a coach, you or someone else, how do I start? How do I know how to find the right coach. We all know that, you know, therapy, sometimes you'll hear, well, that therapist didn't work. Well, maybe it was just not the right approach to therapy or the right, not not the right person. Or like our producer just said offline, maybe it's like getting your hair done. Not every hairdresser is the right fit for you. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't make them a bad hairdresser. Just not the right fit. So if I'm going to let myself be vulnerable in a way that I know will be good for me, how do I find that right person? What am I looking for? It does take some effort, right? Like, It takes some effort, just like you go to a hairdresser and, and you're like, eh, no, no, until you find the right one. And you're like, so yes, tr- this has the style. This is the, right. Would so, coaches know that? They know, like, they wouldn't be offended if I if I maybe start, or do some, I have to commit to, like, a 12-week million-dollar no, program? And every coach I awful? know has anywhere from a 15-minute to a 60-minute okay. free discovery call. And that's and what during call that call, discovery call. Yeah. Some people call so the, it discovery or but, um, but it's engagement. Almost, almost like speed dating. We're trying to see are we yeah. compatible enough. Because I'll admit, most of my roadblocks, even in, in therapy or coaching or anything, are the fact that as much as the world thinks I'm a super open book, there's some things like, I'm just not, right. I'm not sure I'm ready to go that deep with you or myself. Right. So I got to really feel okay with the person on the other end of the line. You want to feel that you feel have trust with them. Yeah. That you want to maybe you need to ask questions, particularly for you. Okay. You, you know, maybe some of the questions you'd want is like, how do you maintain privacy? What do you do with the records? How long do you maintain your records? What is your le- legal obligation? Those are some things okay. that you okay. can ask. You can ask, are you certified? Did you go to school? Do you have any particular training? Who taught you these things? Are you self-taught? Okay. Yeah. Do you have an approach into this? What kind of methods are you employing in your coaching program? Are they based in scientific data? Right. Are they based on... Totally anecdotal. Right. Or is this just something that you've picked up over life in TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) All the answers can come from TikTok. Okay. So, okay, let's say... I've got the discovery call. I'm feeling good. We get into this. I can already foresee myself wondering, well, how do I end the relationship? Like, do I, is coaching something I'm committing to every Tuesday at 11 a.m. for the rest of my life? In which case that feels really scary to Mm -hmm. me and expensive. And what if uh, you mentioned one of them had a six or 12 week program? Mm -hmm. What? 
I think it's customized to you. And, you know, for me, starting out, I have a couple different packages available. It's typically, I think, at least six weeks is a good time to be able to have a complete I want to make sure can be made in a month or two. Yes, and I want to make sure that people leave my coaching with having success, right? Mm-hmm. So we are celebrating small wins every single week because Progress, we have goals. Forward. We have the big goal, but then we have smaller goals every week that we're working towards Back in to order to achieve piece. the big piece, right? Okay. And so, yeah, so we have that going on. We're celebrating small wins all the time, but I want to make sure you get to that big one. I'm invested in that. I want people to feel like I really achieved something here. And so that, that kind of is a, a conversation between you and that coach. Okay. Just getting started, I don't know how fast or how many wins will, it'll take. Sometimes we might get to six weeks and we might need to extend out as far as like plans and cost and those kind of things, those are pretty negotiable across the board. And I mean, I could sit here. I know some coaches with no certification, no training, they're charging anywhere from 25 to $50 an hour. Mm. Some people with no training are charging much more than that. Um, I have a coach that uh, charges about $250 an hour. One charges $1,000 an hour. Wow. So, you know, it's very much depending on that person's ability to get you success and wins. I could look into through someone's website or that discovery call to say what, what's maybe is, is there a contract at first or an agreement? Mm -hmm. We're going to give at least six weeks, at least many dollars. Your initial question was, was the concern about like, how do you in that that relationship? I think you just, you get comfortable with the person and you know, a coach should be pretty, open and aware and so it's a process and part of those hour conversations are i ask for feedback in every single call so at the end of the call just after six no so you know about five minutes till the call is up i'm going to ask the person what question should have i asked you today Hmm. what did i not ask you today that would have been helpful sure and so we we have a little self-reflection on my ability to coach them that gives me some insight right, and helps me are. in the next session coming forward right and so i'm constantly having that dynamic if somebody is not making progress with me and this is not a fit and i cannot find the edges of where if my curiosity isn't there and i'm not able to have the inspiration and the direction I'm likely to end the relationship first, and I have ended okay. relationships. So it could be, again, so much of it's that communication piece, mm-hmm. right? You can't have an effective coaching relationship without open and honest communication yeah. in both directions. Yeah. But that you either, I, I love so much what you've mentioned, you as a coach need to continue that self-awareness if you are going to help me be self-aware. Yeah. And then it can be it's kind a of this very, very vulnerable relationship. Yeah. So. I'm putting myself in this position of saying, I can coach you. I'm not above you. I don't know more than you. I'm not your mentor. I'm not your friend. I'm not your peer. I'm not your therapist. Mm -hmm. I am your coach. I'm here to figure this out with you. I'm a partner Mm -hmm. in discovery with you. I love that, a partner in discovery. And so it should be about that. If it becomes not about that and the relationship feels unbalanced it's no longer a coaching relationship and that coaching 
relationship really does need to come to an end, whether it's the person on either side paying for it or or on either side. Right. And sometimes that can happen for a lot of reasons. And it's not necessarily bad. There's nothing wrong with it. And it it doesn't mean the coach was bad or mm -mm. that the person was uncoachable. No. Again, no judgment. Yeah. It's just not a fit and, and it's not working. And so we just need to make the decision to, to in the relationship. Okay, so Michelle, we ask this all the time. Where do I find you and how can I learn more? You can find me on Michelle Scharf. That's Michelle with two L's. Scharf, S-C-H-A-R-F, as in Frank, dot com. And uh, I have just a very basic website up there. There's not any pricing available. I'm really about customizing this to what the needs are of the person. And I'm also because I am starting out, starting out very low end and really trying to be as flexible as I can with people to a certain level. And so that is just a conversation to have. Anyone can reach me. I have on my website a calendar that you can click on. You can either contact me for a 15-minute call to pitch an idea to be on this podcast, or there is a free discovery call option And that would be for my coaching program. Okay, this is so exciting. Michelle, we're proud of you. It was a long haul, right? It's been a long haul. A lot of intense. I know sometimes we'd come into the studio to record and you would have been spending the weekend with your cohort and calls with people around the world and really putting so much energy into preparing yourself to help other people. And so I'm excited to see where this business of coaching takes you. I am too. And encouraging everyone listening, you know, Michelle laughed at me when I said I could benefit from a coach, but only because we I could all laugh. benefit. I know, right. I just all, laugh because I'm like, of course you couldn't benefit from someone helping to guide us through what life throws at us, yeah. particularly when life has thrown maybe something a little more dramatically unexpected. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, you and I were both at five years, five years right now. The yeah. day we're recording this is five years since we lost John. We're just a couple months away from five years since we lost Brent, which means we're about five years since we met. Yep. And we can we you both, believe it? No. no and I where can't. our lives have I can't. taken us and where we've gone and no, grown. I remember meeting you about the time you left your lobbying job in terms of when mm-hmm. we really started to connect. Yeah. And I remember you thinking like, I've got this great job. All the things you said, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get fired. I'm good at it. I love it. This is great. And I just am stepping away. And yeah. I admire your courage to recognize that what was a good fit maybe isn't a good fit. I'll admit, I have people asking me all the time, like, what am I going to do next? And I feel like I'm at a parallel with my 17-year-old daughter who just graduated high school and now she's got the whole world to choose from. And it's an overwhelming but exciting feeling. I'm like, I am 43. I should not be having to do this at my age. And yet, exciting to say, I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm on, I feel like I'm where I need to be. I'm on a good path. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't fear the future the way I did in that initial loss after Brent died because the unknown can be so scary. And so I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the progress of five years of living and and breathing and yet still grieving. So yeah. I guess here's to another five, Michelle. I know. Right? <laughs> That's the most depressing part. It's like, we've made it through five. We have about 50 to go. Oh, my gosh. Is anybody else getting sick of life on planet Earth? I'm like, I love this mortal experience, but, man, I'm just tired sometimes. Anyway. I know. Which is why it's so great that yeah. there is this awakening happening, yes. and it's happening on a, a global level. Awakening. There is yeah. a self-awareness awakening happening. I, I would like to say there's a few things I want to point out before we close this yeah 
There is a big awakening happening and you do see a lot of information on TikTok and a lot of it is great information, but a lot of it is really misguided or faulty. Or, and I've heard you say, can be damaging. Yeah, also. it can be. So let's just take the word boundaries. We think of boundaries. A boundary is like a fence around mm-hmm. our house. I'm keep it you out keeps of here. people out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people want to keep people or control people by using the term boundary. And that's not a boundary. That's a lasso. <laughs> yeah. And it's unhealthy. Yeah. And it's a sign of an unhealthy nature. And so there's some of this kind of self-help that's got, it's gotten really trendy. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important to do some research, ask some questions, find out, well, tell me about your life experience as a coach. What are the things that you've been through? Yeah. Why, what makes you the expert on this? Are this? you going to be able to help me? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm an expert on my grief, right? But I'm not an expert on your grief. And even though I'm helping people with grief and resilience and awareness, All I can do is support you through you discovering about you. I am an expert when it comes to this because I've lived it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make me the expert on you. No. You are the expert on you. That's what I love. And that's what makes me feel more comfortable with the concept of coaching because you're not the dictator coming in Mm -hmm. to, to guide my life as if I'm this helpless person that can't make decisions. But could you just help me through my process of making decisions and overcoming my own roadblocks and maybe just discovering what in the world I think or want to do when I grow up. I I don't know. I thought I had that figured out decades ago. And yet here I am readdressing some of those same initial questions as a high school graduate. So I know. And it's such older and tired or that's all. Yeah. It's such a great opportunity. You know, it is. is. I, I, I posted today on my Facebook and I said, today's a bittersweet day. Yeah. And it's bittersweet for me because for several reasons. One, I've lost John and I love him and I know he loves me. And I know that that is an endless supply of love that will continue on, but it's not growing in the same way that it would if he was here, even though I do feel here, right? I do feel connection. You and I both know. Sure. You you have heard some very personal tonight, right? Yeah. But you've heard some very personal connections of how yeah. John has shown Absolutely. up to protect me and guide me away from and you've been some bad choices. Him. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I, I mean, same with yeah. Brent. I'm 100% positive he still is. He's just not here. And in the same way. You know, it's bittersweet because I have found somebody that I really hope to grow and develop a relationship with. And it feels so good and so right. And it's so interesting because he actually knew John yeah. and he's actually been around the whole time. And I just wasn't open. Unexpected. Sure. Sure. And, um, life has a way of working some of those. Right. Some, uh, roads. you know, some things timing, some, I'm kind of stubborn and independent and <gasps> I needed to, <laughs> did you know that? I'm just asking if anyone knew that. Those, I didn't know that. I, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I know that. <laughs> right. I'm aware, right? You, That's Michelle. self-awareness, right? I, I can be you, stubborn. Michelle. I can but be you independent. Also own it, and you own yes. it. And you don't brush it under the rug like And I don't brush thing. it. And I kind of have to learn the hard way in my own life. And so I have. And so there's some bittersweetness there. Mm. But I am really excited about the future. And I, you know, it's kind of this process like working with other women. I, I do have some clients right now that I'm working with who 
ironically, are working on grief and they're working on moving forward and what that is going to look like for them. We haven't gotten to where that's going to be for them. For me, I have really decided that I deserve to be loved fully and completely. And so for me, that's that's my path, right? But for some, my sister's never remarried. She's never dated. She's been a widow for, I don't know, 18 years now. And it's okay. And she's very happy with the life that she's created. So, you know, it's interesting Again, that there's individual. no yeah. right way to do this. Right. There's no right there's way no to way. move on. Yeah. And it has been five years and I am in a different place and it is a beautiful place that we're going to. I'm excited about the coaching, but I'm excited about moving forward in life too. And we can't wait to see another five. So everybody, thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed this co-host conversation with Michelle and kind of some insight as to what she's been working on outside of the podcast studio We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear and share your story. Please reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook at Relentlessly Resilient or Instagram at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast. Like Michelle said, there's a quick button. You click it. You schedule a phone call. We talk through maybe some ideas of where that story might go on the air. And then we share the the insights and the tools of resilience that every one of us can benefit from having. Go ahead and find us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a like, a rating, and a review. And a quick shout out of thanks to our excellent producer, Kellyanne Halverson. (laughs) And remember, whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives. Here's to another five years. (laughs) Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.